podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Exclusive listening with 1010 Podcasts. The Celtic Exchange, a fresh insight on Celtic Football Club. Welcome to episode 9 of the Celtic Exchange. This is Tino and this afternoon I'm joined by Miff and by Kenny. Celtic delivered a thoughtful Valentine's Day gift this weekend in the shape of a 2-1-1 over St Johnson at McDermott Park to make it four wins on the spin. But is it just a futile attempt to win us back after they've spent most of the season so far toying with their emotions and breaking our hearts? Joining me on this most romantic weekend of the year to discuss all things Celtic on and off the park are Miff, the nation's sweetheart, and Kenny, the heartbreak kid, Carmichael. Welcome lads, you're both looking fabulous. Miff, how's your Valentine's weekend been? Oh, outstanding, outstanding, Tino. Kenny, how you doing? Hello listeners. Yep, steak bakes are, are ready to go. I would I would say my weekends are a lot better for having watched a Celtic victory, yes, but it's almost a bit of a phony war just now. You're, you're going and watching games and saying, right, well, obviously I hope Celtic win, I hope Celtic play well. It makes your weekend, your week, a hell of a lot better when they've picked up three points. But by the same token, you just feel like it's kind of drifting aimlessly until there's a bit of action off the park and it doesn't really seem like we're any further forward with that it, it's said that in these situations that season tickets are the great currency it's what's going to sell season tickets surely if we approach next season we Neil Lennon still in charge it's going to have a negative effect on that especially when we might not be any further forward to actually watching the games in the flesh so I, I still watch with interest although I've been sorely disappointed with any lack of, or by the lack of any movement around that situation the January review seems to have been completely forgotten I also think it's fairly criminal our lack of activity in the transfer market as well you know a lot, lot of bizarre things happening around there with the way that Frimpong and Cham and El Hamid all exited although probably good good things in, in the long run so yeah it, it's a bit, a bit of a strange time to be a Celtic fan inconsistent on the park despite the putting the wins together the level of performance hasn't necessarily been great and off the park also seems like we're just treading water a wee bit but I'm happy because of one Fair enough Kenny what about yourself how are you feeling about things at the moment? I was trying to echo Miff's comments and it is a bit of a struggle at the moment and you know we've won four games in a row so you try not to complain too much but I think I'm feeling it I think many fans are feeling it it's just although we've won four games in a row and that is a positive the biggest positive is you're just ticking games off until the end of the season. And, <laughs> no, and, no, I know. And I think Let it be over. The, by looking at the body language of the players as well, at times, I, th- I think they're in a similar boat to what the fans are. They're just looking forward to the end of the season. So we're playing well at times. Looking at watching the games, trying to find positives. Main one for me is probably building this team around David Tumble because I think he's, he's, uh, he's instrumental to everything we do. Watching back on that St Mirren game as well, I think he was he was instrumental in three of the four goals. Mm-hmm. Um, and although he never had his best game against St Johnston, still think he's he t- continuously takes the ball regardless of how he's playing. And, and the players around him are giving it to him because they know that he's he's capable of doing something. So he's the shining light at the moment for me. And obviously Edward as well. But. I, just the, um, on the point of individual performances, I actually think if you look at how well um, John Joe Kenny's defended in those games, and the option that he's offered, he didn't get forward too much today. He did a couple of times the first half. But he seems a really, really solid option. Height's a bit of an issue because Lennon normally likes his fullbacks to be a bit taller. You know, history dictates that. But 
I think Kenny looks really, really so, solid, and I think maybe having somebody like Forrest or, or a genuine wide man in front of him, if we go back, you know, to have that option there, I think he he would be a good signing if if we were looking to do that. Although I'm not sure buying him for an English Premier League club, I think that would pretty much put him out of our budget. Well, here's a question for you both. So theoretically, there's different rumours going about as to what a John Joe Kenny might cost, a Moy a Moyel Yunusi, perhaps even Laxalt. So if you had say it was seven million, the figure on all three of those Kenny El Yunusi Laxalt. Who would you go for of any? No, you know, one of any, any of them, or would you just use that money elsewhere? It's a toss seven, up between El Yunusi and, and John Joe Kenny for me. I would be tempted to say Kenny just because we've struggled with finding a really consistent right back. And with El Yunusi, is this, is this on, is Lennon the manager though? Going on the basis that it won't be near Lennon and Charles next year. On that basis, I might, would be tempted to say El Unice because I think there is a player in there and I found within the correct system he could be a really, really fantastic player who, if he's coached well enough. But if it's Lennon, I would, I would say John Joe Kenny because yeah. he's a steady... I, I don't see any reason why you couldn't structure the team like we had it when Sinclair was in the team. I would say El Unice is probably comparable to Sinclair as to what he could offer you coming in off the left, joining up with the attack and having a reliable left back there to go beyond him and a, a sitting centre midfielder that could drift across him. You know, kind of help help out if he gets caught up the park because he's. Although in saying that, Elon Musi doesn't lack for what rate he, he does put put a shift in when he plays. I I don't think you'd be signing anything for seven million. I don't. I can't see the club paying seven million for for a right no back. For, no for me. No for no. Me. I, maybe maybe they might be tempted with El Unice because he's a really creative player. I can't see sent spending seven million on a right back, lads. That seven million could easily go to three projects who are currently playing in the Slovakian, Polish. You can see it coming, can't you? Three, three, three 2.75 million signings that we never see again. So easy. we'll see how Celtic spend in the summer. Um, but it would be interesting, also interesting that you lads haven't even considered Laxalt and he's just, he's not in the thing. And he's going back to Milan, no, isn't it, he? It, it, as I said, uh, I mentioned this in the, the post-match, I, I don't think he's better than Taylor. No, I don't think he is. I don't think he is. I think Taylor's Taylor, 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 Taylor takes some stick. So if he's no better than Taylor, what's that say? I mean, he's got a lot of energy. He's put in some brilliant performances. I think which were upgraded because we weren't playing so well at the time so somebody with a bit of heart was running about putting in tackles mm-hmm. that then quickly became rashness which gave away silly fools and you know at, at bad times in, in games that put additional pressure on us and now I think he's out of the team on merit if that makes sense because Taylor's come in done well and, mm-hmm. and you know made that position his own and, and again I think Taylor's performances prior to getting dropped for Laxalt weren't really crying out for him to be dropped in my opinion but Laxalt's a good guy to have about the squad. We've brought him in on loan and he's somebody that can be relied upon to go back in there. He's not necessarily a, a huge downgrade on, on Taylor if he goes in, but he, he's got his faults, gets caught up the park far too often, gives the ball away in, in bad positions and can be quite rash. But again, does, doesn't lack the effort. I would just like to see him, when, when he's in positions further up the park, I'd like to see him go on the outside a bit more. Everything comes inside. Yeah, I, I would I would like to see him try things that, he, you know, he's he's very very often turns around and give, just passes the ball on the inside channel which is fine you try to retain possession many times you'll see Laxalt sort of give the ball away and he just he goes and tries to win it back he lacks that discipline and you see that with Taylor he's very disciplined in what he does but I wouldn't I wouldn't grudge him going on and actually trying things you know trying things that you don't normally see him do he done well in St Mirren and getting himself in the box for the penalty mm-hmm. um, and he, you don't see enough of that of him so I'd, I'd like to go and see him try and make things happen yeah. a wee bit more. At one point, uh, not so long ago, I seen Laxalt making a tackle in the right wing position for Celtic, which yeah, was that, that's what I mean phenomenal. by discipline. You know, losing the ball and yeah. drifting away and out of position. Taylor's, you know, he knows his job, he knows his role, and I think you're right, Kenny. If he took the shackles off himself at times and maybe was a bit more uh, adventurous, we could see even more out of him. But I think, generally speaking, in a season of not a lot of standouts, 
Greg Taylor can be pretty uh, satisfied with what he's brought to the team. So I was going to cover that in general. So obviously, despite the fact that we are four wins in the bounce, the performances have been inconsistent. So scoring a reasonable amount of goals, I think that's 12 goals in those uh, those four games. But we are, there is no fluidity, and, and Matthew mentioned that as well in the post-match. So in general terms for you lads, who has really stood out over the piece and who hasn't? So David Turnbull's, you know, a stick on. Recent Odson Edward, absolutely. Chris Ayer, for me, has stood up to be yep, counted. Um, him in, yep. Is there anyone else you would say that's really stood out? Sorrow in patches when he's played, I think. Rem- remember him? Yeah. <laughs> he was decent, eh? Um, um, but he seems to have drifted at the moment. Other than that, I think, I think you've, you've, you've covered the main ones. Ayer's our best player this, this season so far, yeah. all in. I asked a question on Twitter the other day there. I'm not convinced Callum McGregor's a captain, just in general. I think he's a great professional. He leads by example in terms of how he plays and how he drives forward and how he conducts himself. But I just don't think he's a natural leader. No way in the way that somebody like a Scott Brown is and was and other Celtic captains over the years. So for me, it isn't Callum McGregor and I'd be interested to hear what you lads think. The alternatives for me would be, and this is who I put up on, on a Twitter poll, Chris Iyer, if we keep him, for me, is absolutely captain material. And despite the fact that he comes across as relatively quiet, I've heard reports to the contrary that Stephen Welsh is a natural leader as well and maybe too young and too early in his Celtic career. But could someone like him potentially be the leader? What do you think, Matt? What's your take on the captaincy? Um, I, I agree on it, on the point about McGregor. I, I don't think it sits well with him. Um, however, he would have probably merited it before based on the, just leading by example and the level of his performances, but I don't think they've been quite up to scratch. And that, that might be linked just because of the pressure of the season and the pressure of the captaincy added on to that is a reason why he's not been as consistent this season as he has been in other um, seasons. Brown is clearly just so important to that squad and the, you know, the spirit of that squad. You can you can see it. I don't know if Ayer will hang about, so that would be the, the biggest issue with Ayer getting it. Welsh is a standout candidate, but I think it's too early for him. And after that, you don't know, you know... It's too early t- for Turnbull t- as well, Turnbull, yeah. Turnbull's probably about the only other one who's going to be playing consistently. Other Possibly. than that, is Edward going to be here? No. Who knows who'll be in goals, so you can't make any of them captain because they'll be, they'll be swapping around every three weeks. You know, Kenny might be away. Taylor, Taylor does not appear to be captain. Captain, captain material. Who's who's going to be playing well, regularly? Is this all just pointing towards the fact that McGregor's getting it by default just now, though, because there's no one better? Aye, quite, quite possibly, but again, even at that, if we, you would say Ayer be somebody that, based on right now, what you're seeing. The thing about Ayer is he's always moaning, isn't he? You know, you see him, he's always got hands up in the air, he's dead. Demonstrative, it's dramatic, you know, isn't it? Aye, and, and, and but normally that's the thing about a captain, isn't it? They're normally yeah. the one that's always moaning at everybody and kind of yeah. g them up and 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 trying to have an influence on on the referee as well and on the opposition. You can see that with, with yeah. Ayer as well. So I, I think right now he's who I would be making captain, even if he is for the off in, in the summer. Because mm-hmm. let's be honest, we don't we don't know how many of that starting eleven are going to be here. Coming I, next I, year. What you like to see from your captain is a, if you're not playing well, that that crunching tackle or even just bloat on someone off the ball or something. You see that from. From Brown, sometimes uh, when he, when even he's not particularly having a good game with the team, aren't and it G's the full team up. You're not going to get that from McGregor. No, but you, you, you don't get enough of the creative side either to inspire the team. You know, in terms of his goal comp- uh, contribution. So I agree with you. I don't think McGregor is. And, may, and maybe this has only come around because he's in a, a particularly poor run of form. If he was the Callum McGregor of old, you'd be saying he's slotted right in that skipper role and he's doing it doing it perfectly well. I think McGregor has been the player who's suffered from the constant formation changes I think under the Rodgers era and the structure and the way that the team played he obviously had a bit more of an influence on the team in terms of you know the way that they played the areas that he picked up the ball 
thinking the diamond is probably more about his work rate rather than his actual contribution in the ball. And he does he does that well. You know, he, he still works hard. He works really, really hard for the team. Just I think that, that just on a more more general point, I know the the captaincy kind of leads us on to that because it's a very obvious point to make is that the squad's going to be so different next year. Yeah. And and maybe that maybe that is what you're looking for. You're you're actually looking when you're recruiting. I know Celtic don't aren't really that anti forward planning, especially now the now. But what you're maybe actually looking to do is buy a, a you know a, a first team ready vice captain that can learn off yeah. Brown. Now thinking that Celtic will have that foresight is absolutely ridiculous because it, we're almost at the end of February waiting in a January review. That should be a priority. We need to go out there and look at a, a potential squad squad leader to pick up and learn for Brown. That's what what Lennon said when he's first. Um, spell when he came in you remember he said he was going to go look for predominantly British based players people that would know the club and bring that sort of the team that he played in Martin O'Neill that feel of the, you know everyone together I think we might have no choice but to go into the British market this time around because this is the first transfer market we'll go into where you know post Brexit and I think we might be looking at uh, issues plus with bringing with, players in with from Covid Europe. as well Covid being an issue you know yep. getting very deep here lads very political that's maybe for <laughs> yeah. another show but yeah you're right Ken I think you know the, the, the market that that Scottish and, and British teams might sh- uh, shop in might be very, very dr- different moving forward. And it'll be interesting to see the type, the calibre of player that we bring in on the back of that. It'd be very hard, though, for any team at any time to sign a ready-made captain, wouldn't it? Guys who are captains generally are, are at a level and they're, they're so important to the team they're currently in. Say a first-team ready vice-captain, somebody that's going to come in, share the game time, you know, use that time to come in and understand what the club's about because you're not going to get somebody that's got to come in, you know, look at, look at the Duffy signing. Now that... that we, we should be talking here about Duffy's been excellent for six months and we're looking to sign him long yeah. term and he's he's got to be the captain that's got to yeah. take over for Brown but it's been such an absolute disaster mm-hmm. that you know what you're yeah. looking for is somebody to come in and just for it to be a transition and, yeah. and someone coming in doesn't necessarily mean the end for Brown and that 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 seems to be oh you know he's finished get him out no it's, it's not about that it's still having him about, about the squad much in the way that Lambert and Boyd were used towards the end of their mm-hmm. Celtic career yeah yeah that's true and that could be a, some of the thinking moving forward. Um, just in terms of going back to to who you know who has stood out and who hasn't, one guy we've not yet mentioned and he absolutely divides opinion is Ryan Christie. He was excellent against St Johnson. Well, excellent in terms of the involvement in the two goals certainly, and ultimately his his participation there has changed the game. Got some stats for you, Miff, because I know you love them. Uh, so in terms of David Turnbull, obviously he never really came into the team until around about December that Lille game. So at the moment, uh, David Turnbull has got seven goals for Celtic and six assists. And before the St. Johnson game, that was after 1,695 minutes of play. Kenny, what's 1,695 add 73? <laughs> so whatever he's played. Ryan Christie, by comparison, had five goals and 11 assists. Make that 12 now after his assist for the first goal. So they're actually relatively close. Seven and six versus five and 12. So Turnbull slightly ahead in goals. Christie slightly ahead in assists. But obviously, Christie's been in that team all season. Uh, out with a couple of games he's missed for COVID-related type stuff. So is David Turnbull that much better than Christie or is it just that Christie's found himself on maybe the wrong side of the fans at this moment in time? I, I mean, I know Christie can divide a pint. I think Christie's became quite selfish and greedy this season, which I don't think you could really level at him before. But again, he's not really played in his preferred position at all this season, if at any time. I, I don't really buy this. He divides opinion because of a terrible season, and he hasn't produced the same level of performance like he would normally produce or has produced in the past for us. Christie stayed at Celtic by default because of the injury to Ibukuasi in the semi-final against Hearts at Murrayfield. He came in and he took his chance. Like MD, in that situation for the first six months, he played like he had a point to prove. 
what then happened, he appeared to become quite comfortable in the first team and he lost that sort of edge that he had. While still maintaining a high level of performance, yeah. he seemed to be less of a team player and more playing for himself, which which can happen. You know, he's still a young, young guy. This season, he's been chopped and changed from the middle to the wing. He is not a winger. And Rodgers tried that a few times with him as well, playing him in off the wing. He's not a winger. He's not, he's not even an inside forward. To me, he's a 10 or he can be a deep line midfielder as well. And I don't think he's played in either of those positions very often this season, if at all. I understand fans' frustrations with Christie in terms of what they see. You know, the scuff shots, the corners put into the stand, not getting by the first man, or the day the corner not even making it onto the park, but that wasn't his fault. I can understand visually the frustrations you have with Christie because, you know, some of his shots are wild. He shoots for really stupid angles at times as well. His he's set-piece delivery can be erratic, to say the least. But he has a hell of a lot of involvement in the good things that Celtic do chance creation and goals, contribution towards goals. For me, Christie is definitely somebody I would like to see stay and forge a partnership with Turnbull rather than say, oh, we've got David Turnbull and we can afford to let Ryan Christie go. Christie should be staying and we should be involving him in the team that we rebuild. He's absolutely capable of producing that big moment. We've seen it in semi-finals, cup finals. and he, he just, What frustrates me with him is it's just not often enough for me. It's far too far in between the, the, the good moments that you see. You can't, you can't, um, you can't fault his, his work rate. Uh, no matter where he plays and I, I think Mick makes a good point he has played a lot of times out of position this season but regardless of where he plays he puts in the work rate I would like to see him involved next year potentially under a different coach and to try and see more of the Ryan Christie that first broke onto the scene as Miff said you know they kind of post Murrayfield uh, Ryan Christie rather than, than the inconsistent Ryan Christie of recent I'd have to give him credit as well for the, the second goal at McDermott Park he won't get any assist or anything like that for his dummy but it was brilliant wasn't nice. it ah, yeah. it was real quality and stats won't tell you that, so it's I, I, I value stats to an extent. There are certain things that they, they, they just won't tell, well, I, and that's one of them. I, I thought it, I thought it was you know good to see Taylor again overlapping, and it, it's not many you know it's only recently that Taylor seems to have had that add, add that to his game. And great awareness from Christie knowing that he was going to be on the overlap yeah. just to over just to just to dummy. I thought his first touch uh, to take him before he crossed for Edward was beautiful as well. It was. He, he didn't under to take it under control. He took it inside his man to give himself a chance to cross it. So. Yeah, he, he was excellent for the two goals, but again, hit and miss at other t- t- some misplaced passes and some overcooked passes as well during the game. So yeah, he's a bit hit and miss at times. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, just in terms of you know remaining in the squad and how it's going to look next season, we know it's going to be very different. And as we covered last week from the the January window, we know that Encham has moved on and Frimpong and Matthew have got a decent point on that, which we'll come back to in a second. Also, kind of slipping out the back door was Hatem El Hamed. Any big loss there or, or you know, how, how would you sum up his time at Celtic? That full transfer is just bizarre to me and shows that agents have relationships with people at Celtic that drive these things rather than the need for what we have in the squad and the ability for the management team to go and scout the player. One of my mates has said a beanie's bonnet about this transfer. I don't know if you've seen I the, think ex- I seen the that exchange on Twitter. On Twitter. Yeah. Yeah, and, 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 but look at what he posted. Look at what the guy had achieved in the game of football over a 10-year period. I think he had something like 100 games in 10 years. And we go and sign him for over a million pounds. But that's because of the relationship with the agent. It's See, absolutely crooked. I thought when El- Alhamid came in, he looked like he had all the attributes. He's tall, he's fast, he, for, for the guy who says, fair pace. And he started off well. But I, I agree, it's just, it just went to And, then, and then what happened was he got injured all too often and effectively yeah. whilst there are other factors he cost us the fa- the against Ferenc Farris Ferenc Farris goal was, you know, was so that's pathetic. what the transfers cost you he did and does look a bit too much like Jafar from Aladdin for my liking and that's just kind of thrown me a wee bit in terms of well, what again. I think it does is it shows 
And this is somebody else who at the time I think did split opinion. Mikael Ostig was a winner. He was a winner. He was in the squad and he just won. He obviously was horrible to play against because he was constantly at the noise up. But Lustig has been very hard to replace, as has Tierney. But I think it just shows how good Lustig was for us over a you know, a good number of years, a very, very consistent performer. Yeah, and another guy who took a lot of stick towards the end of his time, but you don't know what you've got till it's gone he and did, all he, that. He did start running like a tin man though, you feel. <laughs> the legs are gone, I think. But in terms of uh, just staying on Al-Hamid very briefly, you do, you've, you're right, Miff, you've got that relationship with the agent Dudu Dahan, I think his name is, who's got clearly a link with Celtic, but surely when signing any player, it should be player-driven, not agent-driven, i.e. identify the player, all right, we happen to know his agent or not, Rather than saying to the agent, who have you got in your books that might be available well, that, this summer? That's clearly what happened there. Which is yeah. criminal. It really you, is. You hope that that goes when Lowell goes, to be honest. The new regime regime should hopefully see see that kind of thing move on. Um, but yeah, so Elhamid moves out. Miff, what's your thoughts? You'd mentioned something about Incham uh, and Frimpong moving yeah, on. I, I think them leaving seems to have had a, a bit of a galvanising effect in the squad. If you read what has been said by both them and also the manager, it seems they've been agitating to get away for quite some time. If you've got players like that in the squad, that will have a an effect on the squad. It doesn't matter how, how well everyone gets on, the manager, the players. If people are agitating to get away, then that will have a negative effect. It just creates negativity. And I think it's a big galvanising effect in the squad. And I also think Edward's form's improved since both of them have left as well. Again, you can draw your own conclusions for, for that. But I think I mentioned it last week. Village Bowes seemed to mention more about Encham's character rather than his abilities as a player. You know, it may be that Incham, just frustrated by his own lack of opportunities, has been a negative influence in the dressing room. Frimpong clearly thought he, he was capable of achieving better in his career. Those two guys at the start of the season would have been seen as linchpins. We've played better without them. Yeah, it's interesting. So, it's, it, you know, it, there's maybe just a lot more been going on behind the scenes that Lennon has been trying to manage. It's been hard to manage, but we'll never really know. We'll look forward to the autobiographies coming out in 10 years. Yeah. I thought the... The, the fact that Incham was moving on might have had a more negative impact on Edward, but it's actually gone the opposite way. He's now... In the short term, at least. At least, yeah. He's scored in his last six games and he's he's been the real standout for us, actually. He's been the game changer. So it, it was a bit unclear to me as to how he, he would respond to that, but he's absolutely fine. I just love watching Edward playing football, just the way that he plays football, the way that he addresses the ball, his touch. He's just a phenomenal football player. And this isn't a, he plays for Celtic, he must be brilliant. You know, can I shout? I... I I just mean this as a football fan, just yeah. watching him. Should he leave us, which I fully expect that he will, unfortunately, I really hope he goes on to have an absolutely top career. Yeah. I really do. I hope he plays in one of the big leagues for one of the big teams and he batters on a whole load of goals and I can watch him for years to come because he's just somebody that makes football enjoyable. When he's when he's at full flight and he can run with the ball at pace, sucks defenders in and can just waltz by them. Jenkins better than Mr Dembele? Two different players. I, I don't think uh, Dembele's kind of more about power, pace. I mean, Dembele, I hope he, I hope Dembele doesn't kind of fall off the radar. He's too good to do that. He seems to have fallen out with uh, the, the manager at Lyon, although he wasn't playing very often. When he did, he was scoring, so I can understand why he's maybe been a bit frustrated. But because still even Atletico Madrid, I, I really hope he gets a run of games. And, and Although he had COVID, though, am I right in saying that? He was, he was quarantined. Don't know I, I believe he, he, he got COVID and he had to quarantine. So I hope I hope he gets a run of games before the end of the season scores from goals because I think Dembele in his own right is an absolute top class striker. With, with Edward, I think Ed, Edward's got a better all round game. Yeah. It'd be I, safe to say, the, but Dembele's maybe more of a goal threat, you know, more of a number nine type striker. The reason why I asked that is it crossed my mind today actually watching the, the St Johnson game and we were trying to run the clock down when it was 2 1 and it was in the corner. Yeah. And you're thinking you could do with Musa here, but then 
Edward just turns it around with some beautiful footwork. That, that is that is right there is the is the is the difference between the two players because Dembele, remember that Ibrox when he's trying to run the clock down and he's just holding them that all off. Big read end of his man just yeah. Uh, but you see, the, then you see, you think Edward's going to try it, and then next thing he just spins around three of them and then passes out. It's, yeah, I, I thought he showed some real quality towards the last few minutes of the game, Edward, and just running the clock down and keeping the ball as much, as long as he wanted to by the looks of it and he showed some real quality it's a great debate and it's one that will you know kind of rage on after Edward moves on from Celtic but we've been blessed to have two phenomenally talented strikers in recent times there um, I don't want to break your heart on Valentine's Day but it looks like we've got 10, 10 more games to watch on Edward before he moves <laughs> know, on so know, know. make your peace with that I know um, yeah so going back to, to just you know remaining on the squad in general the other factor that we've kind of touched on um, is the fact that Welsh has come in and done a really good job found himself unlucky to pick up an injury midweek and missed out again against St Johnson if fit from Wednesday onwards against Aberdeen you'd like to think he'll slot in for the remaining 10 games wouldn't he? He, sh- he should be playing ahead of uh, Shane Duffy absolutely see when I was talking about body language and the players and stuff that, that that is who I predominantly had in my mind I think Duffy's body language his body shape I think he looks out of shape I don't know if it, I don't know if I think he's just that. struggling I think he's just really really struggling the move hasn't worked out for him you know, his, his confidence is shot to bits. It's now on the manager for playing him. I understand why that happened today because, as we've seen for the squad, there, there, there isn't another centre half around. But that makes our January even more laughable. Yeah, I, I just think his awareness of what's going on around about him, not just with the ball, with players, he's constantly out of position. He goes up for headers and shuts his eyes. And, you know, and there's no one near him and the ball's hitting off his hand and he's done it numerous times. He's out of I, position I, for I the did first that, goal. but I'm five foot four. <laughs> And I, I just think there was one point and it was only like t- that 10 minutes on the clock and it looked like he was absolutely blown out his arse. James Forrest, it sounds like he, he almost made the squad for St. Johnson, but that would make you think that he will make the squad for Aberdeen. Are you excited, Tino? <laughs> yeah, you say excited. It's such a, an overused word. He's, uh, he's obviously a talent and we've de- definitely missed him at times this season. I do struggle to work out where he'll play in this diamond because he doesn't fit in that shape. You know, you're not going to throw him in at right back. So, does, <laughs> hey, does, hey, does, hey. Well, you, might. you never know <laughs> but does the does the shape change to accommodate James Forrest I don't know I mean how excited are you I'm coming back well again we spoke about the goal contributions of Turnbull and Christie I think you would see Forrest would be right up there over the past few seasons and the amount of contributions he's had he's got more assists than any other Celtic player this century well there you go and it was almost like I knew that <laughs> but I need to be honest and say I didn't I'll believe you mate but Forrest Clearly, not only has quality going forward, he has, you know, a suitable enough work rate going back the way as well, where if you can get a partnership with somebody like Kenny on the right-hand side, then that should, you know, Lushtigan and Forrest had, had that over a number of years. And, and dare I say, while Forrest was in the team, he seemed to make sure that whoever was playing it right back wasn't overly exposed. Sometimes I, th- I think Forrest does the defensive work to his detriment, his attacking work, because he's, he's so focused on going back and helping out. Does the, the team shape change? Well, it probably has to for us on the park because he's he's a natural he's a natural winger. I think you would you would probably find would go back to that four two three one. But I, I, again, I, that then would have an, an impact on the the, the centre of the park. And seem to be playing well with two up front. I think I made I made the point in Twitter as well. I think someone that could benefit from Forrest come back is Albin Ayeti if he's going to play. You know, because he's looking for that that balls coming in from the box, and, and Forrest could add that. But uh, as, as Tino says, I. Uh, Fitting into the diamond, I don't I, know. I think I think that that sets it up for Elinousi to play more often. So you would have Forrest and Elinousi playing off the left. But what you're more likely to have, looking at Lennon and how Lennon has set up in the past, you're more likely to have either McGregor or Christie out there. 
which doesn't you know, make sense. Which, which, but then who's your striker? Which is where you don't, which yeah. is where you don't want them. And then it, you, it just, you're the, the, limiting the chances that Ajayi, Kamal, and Griffiths yeah. are going to have because it's only really got one that plays up front. So the point is the inclusion of James Forrest. It does put a real span on the works. Talented player, yes, but do you need to change the system? Also, yes. Should you, know, you, should you, you ever know, change your system for you know one guy? That, well, he does it all the time. He, he changes knows. his he change, well, he either changes his system to accommodate a player, or he changes the way where a player's playing to accommodate his system. You know. What it doesn't that? pick the best player in every position. What was that start about Forrest, you know? Something, <laughs> something spurious about more assists than anyone else. Most this century. And Tino's managed to find that. <laughs> Him coming back for injury is a negative. I'm going to need to see if I can find somebody to make me oh, one of those. Oh, we need to change the shape. Well, no, just, just, uh, James, just take the rest of the season off, mate. I need to try and find someone who can create a wee red circle with a James Forrest and a, a red cross. <laughs> through aye, 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 aye. Fire it up on Twitter. Uh, Forrest, Forrest out. Anyway, but it'll be interesting to see him coming back into the team. Um, he has a, an important player to this squad. Now, if you'd mentioned the fabled January review at times, <laughs> so I don't know if you guys picked up on it the other day. So Celtic Fans TV, I think it's a lad called Paul that runs that. He actually wrote to the club early January requesting said review uh, and for some details on where it was. He did uh, get a reply, a delayed reply a few weeks later from Ian Bankier, Celtic chairman, of course, saying that the, the half year accounts were due out and they're usually announced early to mid-February. So, you know, Valentine's Day just now shouldn't be far away. And at that time, he was also going to make a statement to address the concerns of the fans. So he's not quite called it a January review. And I believe the club called it a New Year review to get them away with it on a technicality. So it seems that that review, whatever you want to call it, will be coming out in the days ahead. What do we expect from that? Is it going to be more platitudes and, you know, nothing to see here? Or can we expect any sort of announcement? I would say yes, because that's that's how we're being treated. You know, we've been, as a fan base, I think we've been fairly clear on what we want. Some have went about it the wrong way and some have been a bit more vociferous than, than others. But I think the sentiment of the majority of the fans is we need a change. We'd like to see it happen sooner rather than later show, so that the team or the club can show that they're planning for next season. I think that would be a fair summation as to how we're all feeling. Just shows that you're actually thinking ahead here and it's not just a case of, as you were, just keep going to end the season and then we'll deal with it then. I mean, that that's nonsense. To me, a review is very is, is looking back the way rather than, look, you know, just as much looking back I, the way it is looking forward. I, what's happened's already happened. We know what's happened. Yeah. We to live through Every, it. Everyone can, can can carry out our own review in, that, in their head and everyone's in pretty much agreeing that it's not been good enough this season. So mm-hmm. the outcome of that has got to be the same as what everyone else says. The review of the season is it's been absolutely awful. <laughs> I know, I know. Listen, lads, just in case you didn't realise. Oh no, I was going to swear there. It was rotten. Aye. I mean, the funny thing is, you know, what what can they say now about Neil Lennon that would appease the fans? So my few spoke, I think it was last week or the week before, about what you called, you know, sacking offences for Neil Lennon and we could rhyme them all off. You know, the two Sparta Prague games, the Ferenc Faros games, the performance against Rangers first time out, Ross County out the Cups at Marvel. Tino, come on, you, come using on. the inverted commas, that was a big one. Aye, so, aye. <laughs> that alone Privileges <laughs> Privileges <laughs> So A variety of events But now You know at that time You know across November, December, January You were thinking It's madness That they have not removed Neil Lennon Now With 10 games left Would it be madness To remove him Would it just be Futile and silly To aye. make that move Aye Probably Which is me- Which is Which <laughs> no, is no, mental Which completely contradicts our Everything we've said Over the weeks aye. Every single one of us Have been calling for me to go But now we've got to the stage Where we're, we're past the point Where he should have went mm-hmm. And it's just a case of What's the point doing it now Yeah you're not going to bring in Whether it's you know An Eddie Howe or a Rafa Or anybody else Of, of calibre <laughs> Yeah peace lads man <laughs> See your Eddie Howe's And your Rafa's You need to let it go You need to let it go And did I see something Was linked with the Director of football operations That was at Bournemouth Yeah Now he I would say more than how's the reason that Bournemouth get relegated because of the amount of money that they, they spanked on 
a bunch of Liverpool reserves. I mean, mm-hmm. I think they bought three of them for a combined total of about forty million pound. No, 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 no. So out with the the Bournemouth chap you mentioned there. There's a few other names in the mix for the director of football are certainly rumoured. So Fergal Harkin, a Man City low-e manager, seems to be you know touted. Um, a chap who's come up last night, uh, Juventus chief scout Matteo Tognozzi. How's my Italian math decent? Um, so, so. Needs a bit of work uh, And the other one that was rumoured we mentioned him last week Was John Collins, uh, the six pack superstar So there's various guys in the mix there And hopefully, I, I would like to think that If they're not going to mention the personnel involved At least a statement that is due to come out Would at least address the fact that We are going to overhaul the football department And there's going to be a new structure in place That would be something, wouldn't it? Some sort of forward thinking Like you said, review tends to We know what's happened We do not need to go over it again um, Some sort of indication that we're looking to the future I still maintain, I believe, the lack of action at a time when we were calling for it at its very loudest suggest all points to Steve Clark. And that that that's just it makes sense because other than that, what why why take the path that we've taken? It makes no sense because if 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 Lennon is not going to be the manager next season, which I mean, come on, he can't be surely, he can't be. But he, but he, he might can't. be. But he might be. I mean, maybe maybe he is. Maybe he is. But if season tickets are currency, then that currency is devalued by keeping Lennon in charge. You will have a whole host of people not shelling out for virtual season tickets on the basis that there is a chance that the muck of this year might get served back up again. It's a a risky... To me, it's a risky game they're playing. The easiest thing to have done, as I said a couple of weeks back, was either put in a temporary manager or even give it to Kennedy at the end of the season because at the end of the day, what difference is it going to make, seriously? and then identify your target for the summer. But with the Euros coming up in the summer, there's planning work needs done. There's targets to be identified. You know, the squad needs overhauled. We need to find out who's staying. Somebody, whoever's going to be here for next season has to be already speaking to the players to yeah. say, right, I want you, I want you, not on your way. That, that, those types of conversations have to be happening. But, but just speaking of planning and having any sort of contingency, it's absolutely clear that Celtic did not plan for Neil Lennon failing this year. It caught him on the hop, and they've been dancing around trying to find a solution they don't have a solution. I think they very possibly, behind the scenes, November, December, might have sounded out a couple of guys only be, to be told this won't happen right now. And they've had nothing else for it but to ride out the rest of the season. There is the rumours about Neil Lennon's you know, bonus based on winning 10 in a row and all that kind of stuff. And, and maybe that's the reason why he's staying. But ultimately now, as I say, 10 games out, it doesn't make sense to change it. Nobody's going to come in. And whether it's high, high calibre, Rafa's, or if it's Steve Clark's or otherwise, Nobody's going to come in just now and say, I'll take the last 10 games and take all the grief that comes with that. So whoever comes in is coming in this summer. And I think you're right, Miff. I think Steve Clark is now the level we find ourselves at. Rumours have intensified again last week. But the huge span on the works there is that, based on the Steve Clark success, we now find that Scotland are in a Euros. And the Euros run between 11th of June and 11th of July. And Scotland will be in there until, you know, group stages or beyond. That leaves very, very, very little time to make the, the plans that we need to put in place. Yeah, and it goes back, you know, what we're saying about the manager. Who is, if it's, you know, Dominic Mackay who's appointing him and he's not coming into the summer, then of course they're going to wait to the summer to appoint a manager because unless he starts early and he's, you know, he's, he's involved and in as part of his handover, he is appointing a manager, which I, I doubt very much. We've spoken about it before, it's just going to be a mad rush. Out of the names you mentioned for, for director of football, the, the two from Man City and Juventus, I would rather see someone come in from a big club who's, who's worked in, with, within a big club mentality rather than, than a John Collins or whoever else I think the Man City guy the Man City guy then the Italian fella Matteo Tognozzi Kenny you'd mentioned about the whole kind of Brexit scenario and where we'll be able to sign players from so does it 
make sense to have a guy who's got the, the wide knowledge of the European market? Point. A good or point, yeah. is it more sensible to have someone who's better and more focused in the domestic market? See, See, senor. I think oh, I was in a good mood to be started talking about this team. Four games in a row, everybody's happy. The fact that there has been so little movement, right? So we know Mackay's coming in, but he's not coming into the summer. Does Lawwell strike you as the type of outgoing chief executive that's going to already be on the phone to that guy and say, it's happening, Dom, right, Mon, here's how it works. He's not really got to be like that, is he? Has there got to be that smooth transition? I mean, there should be. I mean, I don't think it's going to be because, Dom, because Dom if comes in on his first day and high fives Peter on his way out. You know, there's got to be a, a handover that's, process. That's kind of what worries me. <laughs> it's just how smooth that's going to be and where does the responsibility lie if there is a change to happen? The fact that we're in the middle of February and effectively we've been told what's been served up this season, you just need to put up with, with no discernible change happening within the club. That's pretty insulting. Especially our fan base that's already spent 25 million. A, a lot of money on, on season tickets to know actually even seen the, see the team play. Mm-hmm. Now, let's be, we, we didn't know that was going to be the case but we, but we hoped we would have been back in the stadiums but, now, but, it, but it didn't happen. And also, you don't buy your season ticket. Well, there's no guarantee that when you buy your season ticket, the team's going to win. So you can't moan. You buy your season ticket and you take your luck. Now, nobody could have seen us being as rotten as we've been this season, <laughs> but you take my point. The only way people are going to buy uh, or we're going to get near the figure of season ticket sales is if there's a change. That's a fact. The fact that there's a change, there's a change at kind of chief executive level means that maybe this is it. This is just what we're going to get until Mackay comes in because there's no ability for us to make the change. So, you know, is, is Mackay being allowed to work in the background on his job for when he comes into Celtic? Because if he's not, then that, yeah. you know, the summer's got to be a write-off. It's very possible that he is. And, you know, we always remain in the dark, unfortunately, Celtic. But it would be mad to think they're not at least having conversations maybe every week or two weeks with Dominic Mackay saying, this is happening, Dom, and that's happening. And what's your input on that? You know, Dom? just at this early stage. I've called him Dom. Right. I, I feel like I, right. I've got to know the <laughs> guy in the last that, couple yeah. of weeks. Oh, yeah. But I just feel that there, there should be those conversations and I'd like to think they are. Just to stay on Steve Clark for a moment, um, just as we, as we start to close things off for this week, whether he, he's certainly not the name that Brendan Rodgers was in terms of selling season tickets. Some fans would be absolutely and will be absolutely delighted with his pragmatic approach and the fact that he seems to get results and get things done. Some will absolutely be turned off by the fact that he's just a bit boring and a bit defence-minded. But my point here is, is he so defence-minded or has he just gone in? So when you take Kilmarnock, you've got no choice but to be defence-minded. And I think actually he's a guy who's coached at big clubs. You know, he's he obviously, he was with Jose Mourinho at Chelsea for three years, back in 2004. He was at Liverpool, alongside Kenny Douglish in 2011. He's been at West Ham, he's been at West Promise and different clubs, Newcastle. He's been around and he's not always been defence-minded. He's a very skilled tactician. So if he were to come to Celtic, could he adjust to the Celtic way? I think if you look back at the times he was at all of those clubs, I don't think they necessarily played an expansive brand of football. I think what he is, he is a very defence-minded coach. Now, who's to argue that a lot of the draws this season wouldn't have been wins if we'd been a bit tighter defensively? They clearly would have and would be in a better position. So mm-hmm. I think the natural attacking flair that's within the squad would, would still be allowed to flourish. The issue you've got is, though, as we've already discussed within this podcast, is we don't know what the players that that squad's going to contain and this is the point it's just a vicious circle at the minute so Clark comes in but if Christie goes if Edward goes right wait a minute well how I'm wanting to play completely changes completely changes because I think the reason that we're getting results is less to do with the formation of the team but just how good the individuals are their class is getting us through and that's why we've won the past four games that we've won that's, that's a personal opinion that's not to say that Lennon has contributed absolutely zero but I think I, I do think Lennon's time's finished I think the players know that as well 
it's just it's a situation that to me urgently needs addressing with next season in mind. And the fact that there's nothing happening at all, just uh, it's just so frustrating. Yeah. What, what I think is interesting, just on Steve Clark though, is that for me there feels like similarities in terms of how Martin O'Neill set his teams up. They weren't fast flowing swashbuckling football. What he done was he got himself very strong in the spine structurally, made themselves first and foremost hard to beat. Big, yeah. strong, aggressive, solid defenders. And then, of course, you've got the bonus of Henrik Larsons and flair players that he had around at that time and, you know, Petrovs and Suttons and Hartsons and all these kind of guys. There's no reason why Steve Clark couldn't, you know, instill a similar mindset and a st- similar you know, setup by making it hard to beat first and foremost, which he's very good at, and then making sure you've got another couple of, you know, whether we'll get Edward or not, I don't know, but have two or three guys who can change games. And that would be a way to go. I think that that's that's the one thing that, that really does excite me, if you can say that, that's the word for it with Steve Clark is a progression in Europe. I think if he makes us hard to beat in, in European games, um, like like what he done domestically with Kamarnock, then I think the domestic game takes care of itself. I'd like to see uh, he's he's worked with um with players before. He's he's lost his best players before at times. You know, under Kamarnock, his best players will, will move on, and he's had to be involved in some sort of rebuild. It's just as you say, if you don't know the players that will be left with there. But what what Steve Clark does do is get the best out of limited pl- players with limited ability, and and it's more about the collective rather than the individual. But as you say, we, we do have individuals who are class. We just don't know if they're going to be they're going to be here. I would I would term Clark as a, as a striking esque appointment. That's how I would see it. You know, somebody that would bring a bit of defensive stability, and it would be more about substance rather than style. I think Strachan's teams are like that. A lot of people. Used to go and watch Celtic under Stratton and, and moan about what they were seeing, even though we got three yeah. titles delivered while the budget was getting reduced. A lot of people stopped going because the, the football was fairly turgid. And again, it was the likes of Nakamura's who were a bit different and were able to produce moments of class that got us, got us out of jail quite a lot of times under, under Stratton. So it's just interesting that the Celtic fans' mentality is that they want to see good football, but they want to see a winning team. And, and sometimes you're not going to get both. Having had the type of season that we've had, I think most. Celtic fans would probably suffer a lesser style of football just to see winning results, I, just to get back in the winning. It's, it's back to basics, and then you build from there. Yeah, get get us winning games in leagues first of all. And then we can talk about the flair and the fast yeah. flowing and free flowing football. So, but anyway, Steve Clark, that's a done deal. So we've got that all wrapped up, and it looks like he'll be here. Stevie's agent can uh, just <laughs> give me a wee ten percent there. I've just yeah. talked him up. Um, just to look, look forward to the week ahead. So we've got Aberdeen at home on Wednesday, a six o'clock kickoff uh, for whatever reason. And then we're away to Ross County next Sunday at half seven. That's late for me for a Sunday night. I need to set the clock for that. How are we feeling going into those games? Can Celtic make it five and six wins in a row? We're finally playing teams that are they are not on form. And mm. you know, with the teams that have come up against recently, Livingston, St Mirren, have all been on a good run of games. So it'll be interesting to see how we deal with a team that's but, struggling. But Ross County no bottom of the league without a win in ten when they beat us. Put us at the league. But, <laughs> that, but that doesn't help Kenny's case at all, man. No, no. I, 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 eh. No, I'm not going far that no, far back. My, 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 my point is, my point is that I do not, I cannot feel confident in any Celtic game. No, no, no. The now, um, I don't think, I don't think there's enough fluidity. It's the level again. I keep saying this. It's the level of performance. You know, sometimes when you watch the Celtic team, sometimes you've drawn a game and you go, "How do we manage to draw that?" Because we dominated, we did this, we did that. You just don't know what you're going to get served up. We we just had that period in the game where there was moments of class for Christie and Edward that that got us, got us the result. Aberdeen seem to be really, really struggling just now, mm-hmm. which means they can pretty much right. be guaranteed three points. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> they've not, they've not scored in five games, and they're coming in a game where Duff, Duffy's in defence and, and Scott Baines in goals. So big, Cosgrove, didn't he? He did. I think when teams see, you know, it's I don't want it to be a you know beating the guy up, but when teams see Duffy lining up, they get a lift from it. Yeah. When they see that, that he's got him in the centre defence for us, 
they have a go at him, you know, whether it's guys like Rooney today for St Johnson or otherwise, it, it gives the opposition a lift. So, you know, in a funny way, it's not going to sound anything but snide, but anybody but uh, Duffy being in there as a booster, whether it is, you know, young Welsh or somebody else, yeah. even even Brown, as you mentioned. It's it's unfortunate that we're, we're speaking like that about a professional football player because, you know, everybody wanted the Duffy transfer to work. But I, I think it's a fair comment. You know, the defence looks a lot more shaky with him in it. And he himself is just prone to what look to me to be very basic individual errors. You know, body position when the ball's getting crossed in, he seems to be standing the wrong way. He doesn't know where he's yeah, where the, the centre forward is or the man that he's marking is. He seems to get caught under the ball. For a guy that's so tall and has a reputation for being great in the air, he seems to constantly get caught under the ball or even worse, completely miss it when he should be making contact with it. So it's his overall body language though, he just, just looks uh, defeated. It's just no it's just not happened, Kenny. It's just one of those things and it you know you can, you can look back over many different transfers for whatever reason it's not worked out and I think it's just down to the fact that Duffy whatever level he was playing at previously when he was playing regularly with Brighton he's just not that level anymore Yeah, I think that's clear to see so I think we may well see Stephen Wells slot back in on Wednesday and who knows if your hero James Forrest may also be in the bench for that one so we'll look forward to that So for now at least Celtic's on-field form continues with the win against St Johnson making it four wins on the bounce for many, however, these victories are all ringing a bit hollow in a season where the team have failed to deliver when it really counts. The half-year accounts, which may or may not include the fabled New Year review, should make for an interesting read and we'll look forward to deciphering the spin on that when it becomes available. For the time being, my thanks as always to Miff and to Kenny for joining us on today's episode of the Celtic Exchange. And finally, our thanks to you for listening. Remember, you can now listen to us on iPhone, Android devices and wherever you get your podcasts by searching for the Celtic Exchange. We'll see you again next week.